We're continuing today talking about our series on forgiveness. Welcome to the Hope, Healing, and Freedom podcast, brought to you by Restoring the Foundations International. Our desire is to equip you with biblical truth to empower you to live a full life of freedom in Christ. For more, please visit restoringthefoundations.org. Now, here's your podcast. Just to recap, in last session, we talked about some of the hindrances of forgiveness, like not feeling like forgiving is a hindrance, or feeling like that if you give someone, grant someone forgiveness, that that means that there aren't consequences for the offender. That's not true. Or believing that forgiving means that you have to trust the person the same as before. We also talked about the model and scripture in Matthew 18, 21 and 22 about the number of times that we have to forgive. And really, it's an ongoing thing, and there's really no end to the times that we forgive. The, to quote Jesus, he said 77 times. I'm not sure that any of us are counting how many times, but the principle is that forgiveness needs to happen over and over. Now, one of the other things that uh, we talked about is that forgiveness doesn't mean that the offender is not held responsible for their actions. You know, betrayal and broken trust, which we referred to, are serious offenses. But what about abuse? Am I saying that you should forgive the abuser or the one who violated you? Well, an abuser can be forgiven, whether they ask for forgiveness or not. But it doesn't mean that the abuser shouldn't face the consequences of their actions. What might those consequences be? Well, it could be jail time. Or it could be a significant change in relationship with the offender. It may mean not being in relationship with that person at all. Because if a person isn't safe for you to be around, for for you or your family, for the safety of others, then you need to draw a boundary. And we're going to talk about boundaries in another podcast. But for right now, let's just focus on some of the other hindrances of forgiveness. You know, granting forgiveness to the offender doesn't mean that you have to be in relationship with them. Let's say, to use the abusive uh, situation, that your dad or your other family member is abusive. It could be physical abuse, mental abuse, spiritual abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, or all of the above. You experienced that abuse as a child, and now you recognize the reality that you need to forgive. Well, you can decide to forgive the abuser for the events of the past, But the question is, do you have to remain in the same relationship with them? You ask, am I advocating cutting off relationship? Well, I would first suggest drawing a boundary in that relationship. You might draw a boundary that says that you'll not ever visit that person in their home alone, only if others are around. Or maybe you'll only meet with that person in a public place where, uh, where there are other people. Where are you safe from the abuse? Where are your loved ones safe? If you have a boundary that they ignore, then change the boundary to one that they can't. And sometimes that means completely cutting off the relationship. Let me give you a personal example. I had a family member that was extremely verbally abusive and was a rageaholic. For years, I hadn't seen that behavior manifested. I had hoped and believed that they had changed. I had forgiven them for the past. However, my heart wasn't yet healed from the past abuse because I didn't know about RTF yet. And trust had slowly over time being rebuilt. 
One day while I was at their home, the abuse and the rage started up again. You might say that person got triggered. I was by myself in the home with that person. Well, I decided to leave. Thankfully, I had my own vehicle. When I arrived to my own home, I was an emotional basket case. I had been verbally assaulted. False accusations had been made about me. Hurtful things had been said about my husband, about me, about my children. And after much prayer and consideration, my husband and I decided on a boundary. I would never visit this person again by myself. I would only visit them if my husband was with me. Because you see, the abuser never acted out as long as my husband was around. We also decided that we would not allow our children to visit this family member without us being present. We agreed that if the abuser did act out, or if I felt or if our children felt unsafe, that we would leave with no questions asked. We never told the family member about the boundary. We just lived it. It was very unfortunate in one way because it put great limitations on our ability to visit that family member and the others that lived with them as frequently. But I had to do what was needed for my safety and the safety and well-being of our children. So forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean that you stay in the same relationship or you that you don't have the freedom to draw boundaries. You know, as I look through the lens of restoring the foundation's integrated approach to ministry, I can see the generational family pattern. There are several other family members with the same kind of abusive behavior. None of them, to my knowledge, have ever acknowledged their abusive behavior or asked for forgiveness for it. I have chosen to live my life differently and to not participate with the enemy in this way, choosing to forgive 77 times. Now, when you're forgiving, there's different parts of forgiveness. There's forgiving the person for the event that caused you the pain, and then there's getting healing for the wound or the hurt that was a consequence of that pain. We call those soul-spirit hurts. Your heart must be healed from the pain of the traumatic event for the forgiveness to be complete. You know, let me give you another example uh, that you might relate to. Um, Maybe you didn't have an abusive situation in your life, but maybe you had a best friend that betrayed you. You told them you shared some confidence with them, and they shared it with somebody else. Now your secret is known by others, and you find out about the betrayal from somebody else. What do you do? What does it cost you? What are the consequences of their betrayal? Well, of course, it depends on what information was shared, but at the very least, it's knowing that this friend, your BFF, can't be trusted to not share information with other people. So even when you choose to forgive them, it doesn't necessarily mean that your relationship is going to be the same. Wisdom would say that you'd better think twice before sharing something personal with them again. So you forgive the person, whether they ask for it or not, but your relationship changes. You get healing for your hurt so that the forgiveness can be complete, but there are still consequences in that relationship. So just to recap, forgiveness doesn't mean that the offender shouldn't be held responsible for their actions. And where there is betrayal and trust has been broken, trust must be reestablished because you see trust is earned. Now, as long as you hold on to unforgiveness, the person who hurt you has control over you. Think about it this way. I want you to think about three people in your life that have hurt you. I'll give you a minute. You got them? Maybe it's a parent, a boss, a sibling, a friend, spiritual authority. 
or maybe it's your spouse. Now I want you to picture yourself with a bungee cord. It's, do you remember what a bungee cord is? It's like that stretchy rope that has a hook on each end. You'll actually need three bungee cords. Now I want you to hook one to yourself and the other end to each of the other people. So you've got three bungee cords, there's three hooks on you, and there's a hook on each one of the people that you are holding unforgiveness. Now, I want you to try to move. In your mind, see yourself in that picture. Try to move forward. You can't. You're hooked. You can move a little bit, but there's a lot of restraint. You're limited in your movements. You see, you can only go so far before you're unable to move without restraint. That's what unforgiveness does. It hooks you to the person, and it keeps you from living your life freely. When you decide to forgive, you're unhooking yourself from that person. You are taking away the control that they have had over your life. Because forgiveness releases a negative spiritual bond between you and the offender. When you release yourself from them, you free yourself from negative control. You choosing forgiveness frees you. There's a powerful quote by Marianne Williamson. It says, forgiveness is like drinking poison yourself and waiting for the other person to die. Holding on to unforgiveness limits everybody. The wall that you build around your heart, thinking that it is protecting you, is actually harming you. Choosing to forgive frees you and puts the offender in God's hands. He's off your hook, but he's still on God's. God protects and vindicates his children. Trust him to work in that other person's life. Eventually, as your heart is healed, you will cease feeling resentment towards the offender. Let me share one more story about forgiveness. Many years ago, my husband was on staff at a church. It was a twofer. Do you know what that is? Well, in the church world, it's when you hire the man or the woman for a specific role and you get the spouse for free. Together, we were over the youth, nursery, children's church, and young adults. One day, the senior pastor called my husband in for a meeting. He told him he was fired. There was no previous warning. There were no reasons given. He told him that he would get up on Sunday and read this letter from the pulpit. We were to leave the church and not come back. Needless to say, there was anger, disappointment, shock, and a myriad of other emotions. This was our livelihood, our friends, our kids' friends, our community. We were not even allowed to talk to the teenagers and the young adults that we'd been so connected to. The most confusing thing was that we were not given any reasons why. Well, we read a modified version of that letter and we left. We did what they asked us to do, even though we felt it was grossly unfair and unwarranted. When something like that happens, there are just no words to describe it. How do you go on? What do you do? How can you reconcile the situation? We began looking for another church to attend. Wouldn't you know that to get to that church that we found, we had to drive by the other church every Sunday morning. In fact, the church was even on my side of the car. Every Sunday, Holy Spirit was talking to me. Are you going to forgive? It was not immediate, but over the course of time, I forgave. It wasn't a one-time forgiving. As memories surfaced, as emotions arose, I had to forgive again. Eventually, I got to the place where I could bless the pastor in the church and pray for it to flourish. Eighteen years after we were fired, I was attending a leaders' gathering in our city. At the registration desk, as I was checking in, I noticed the pastor's name on the roster. It was the pastor, the one that had fired us. I hadn't seen him in 18 years. 
We hadn't moved away. Our paths just hadn't crossed. Well, I went back to my car to do a heart check. And as I sat there, I pondered the condition of my heart. Me and Jesus had a little talk. And then I returned to the auditorium. My heart was okay because I had forgiven him years ago, even though he had never asked for it. In the meeting room, the chairs were set up in the round, and I sat down, and wouldn't you know it, directly across from me was that pastor. During the proceedings, the moderator was asking us to do different things. The focus of the meeting was about unity. At one point, I looked up to see the pastor coming across the room towards me. He sat down in that empty chair next to me. My heart was beating out of my chest. He said, I need to apologize to you and ask for forgiveness for what I did to you and your husband all those years ago. I was stunned. I was speechless. All I could do was weep rather uncontrollably. I managed to say, I forgive you. Later that same day, he stood in the room of leaders, publicly apologized. I realized that day that I had been free for years. I had unhooked the bungee cord of unforgiveness many years prior. The pain of that event had not marked my life in such a way that it kept me from doing what God wanted. I had thrived. I also think that he had been carrying around the burden of his actions for those 18 years. My, my decision to forgive him each Sunday as we drove by his church freed me to live fully and not be controlled by my pain. Forgiveness is a choice we make. It's not based on feelings. Forgiveness frees you. Getting your heart healed completes the forgiveness. Won't you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much for making a way for me to be forgiven. I have been completely and fully forgiven of everything that I've ever done against you or against others as I have asked for your forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. I ask you, Lord, to help me to totally and completely forgive others, all of those who have offended me or hurt me in any way. Bring to my awareness anyone that I am holding on to unforgiveness. Lord, give me what I need to forgive them. Heal my heart of the hurt. I want to be totally free from anything that is holding me back from experiencing all that you have for me. And our declaration continues to be, I choose to walk in forgiveness every day. Thank you for joining us on the Hope, Healing, and Freedom podcast today. We pray you are blessed and equipped with biblical truth, empowering you to live a full life of freedom in Christ. To learn more about the ministry of Restoring the Foundations International, please visit restoringthefoundations.org. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.